Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Last week we went on a holiday and we went to Bright. I know. So, so yes, we love Bright. Uh, you know, anyway, we went there and it was great. We had a great time. And, uh, you know, we arrived, and I don't know what it is about holidays but, or, or holiday places, but we, we arrived and our kids got out of the car. And the first thing they did is they just run and they check every room in the place that you go to. I don't know what they're looking for. Like maybe somebody lifts a jar of cookies or something. I don't know. But they run into every room, check the closets, what's in there. They get to their bedroom and I just hear them call out, Dad, we could live here. And I thought, what would be so great in their bedroom that would make them say, we can live here. I walked in, there's just four bunks, it's bare. There's nothing in there, but there's a TV on the wall. And I realized my kids have problems, you know. It's like their survival skills aren't that great. They didn't even worry about food. They have TV. Hey, there you go. So anyway, um, you know, so we didn't actually watch that much TV. In fact, we did a lot of bike riding. And so um, that, was, that was great, you know. And, and, and we didn't hardly even use the car, you know. It was just life was just so simple. What's one of the best things about going on a holiday is that life is so simple. I, I don't think we sometimes realize how good life can be until our phone battery dies, until you've got no reception. Pretty much if you lose your phone, life will get better for you. And and, and so it's just everything is a lot simpler. But you know what I've discovered is that some people, they actually like complicated. It's like you go on a holiday to get away from all of that stuff, but you have trouble letting go of that stuff. So you go away because you say, I need a break. But then when you get on the break, you just spend all your time thinking about that stuff. And so some people... they, they like complicated, you know? It's just sort of the way that it is. Do we have any overthinkers in the room today? Yeah. I always find like a, a, a small response. But if I often ask, did you marry an overthinker? It's just a far more honest representation of who's in the room on that day, you know? And so here's what overthinkers will do. They'll take some, something that is simple and they will make it complicated. What did he really mean? Well, I saw that look he gave. What was that thing that his eye did, you know? And so you just play the conversation over in their heads and it was a simple interaction, but you're overthinking it. Don't make it complicated. People like to make it complicated. You ever have a good... Uh, somebody just something really simple like how was your day and they say yeah it was good in 2003 my dog got sick and at the time we didn't have the number for a vet and you're like what it's like yeah I just want to know how your day is today you know they'd like to take you do you have anyone in your life that likes to take you on the scenic route of their stories they're probably a preacher, but anyway, you know, they just like to take you on the scenic route. They tell you everything, even the details that you just quite didn't need. They just take simple things and make them complicated. People professionally do this too, you know, you know, like theologians. Some people, they take concepts that are very simple in the Bible, and then they use big words to describe them, and they make them complicated, you know? And I think that that's one way of doing it. I, I kind of like preaching where it takes ideas that are really complicated and understands them, but communicates them simply so that people can follow them. I think that we should be speaking in a way that everyone in the room gets it and everyone in the room understands it. It doesn't matter whether you're new to church first time, but it should be simple enough to understand. What's crazy to me is some people, they actually want that, even that part to be really complicated. 
Like you go to a conference with someone and it's like, how was the conference? They're like, it's okay. Wish it was deeper. Needed to be deep. You know, really like, like deep. You know, I'm like, I don't, what, are you, what do you mean by deep? You know, sometimes I find people that want things to be really deep aren't doing what's really simple. You know, like they, they're like, give me deep. And I'm like, make a disciple. I, I, I want deep. Just, just read your Bible every day. You'll get deep. You want deep? Oh, the Spirit will reveal some deep things to you. Just, you know what? Master simple, then we'll move to complicated, you know? But, but the thing is that some people love to just take things that are simple and then want to make it complicated. I'm going to preach a message to you guys today called It's Complicated. It's Complicated. Um, you can fill your life with the unnecessary. But it pulls you away from what's important. And if you didn't know what is important, let me tell you, your life is important. There is purpose for your life. I genuinely believe that God has a calling for everybody that says yes to Him. And if you're here today, you have no relationship with God, you're like, that's okay for all the Christian people in the room. But the truth is, God has a calling and a purpose for every single person. But if you don't have a relationship with God, you're just one step back. And it's really easy to take that step forward. So you just enter into a relationship with God by acknowledging that you're not perfect and you need Jesus to forgive you for some of the sin that's in your life. And when I say sin, I'm not talking about the most morally horrible things that you can imagine. Let's, let's just say this, you're not perfect and you already know it. And the problem is to get into heaven, you need to be perfect and none of us are good enough to get there. So Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And the moment that we say yes to Him, we begin to step into the purposes of God. There's all kinds of things in life that are going to try to distract you from it. I don't know who said this, but someone said, you know, the devil doesn't need to destroy you, only to distract you. And the thing is, is that if he can distract you, then he will destroy the work that you would have been doing if you were focused on what you were supposed to be doing. Here's what's interesting. The devil doesn't have to work hard, everyone. In fact, he's not even breaking a sweat. Because we are so good at just distracting ourselves. We are fantastic, like masters at self-distraction. The stats are in, everybody. Did you know the average person in the Western world spends 7.4 hours screen time on their device, on their phone? Isn't that crazy? 7.4 hours. That's nearly a third of a day. And there's people sort of worried that they don't have enough time to do things. And yet we're making room for some of this stuff that doesn't seem to be important. Let me, let me say this. Your calling is too great and your life is too important to spend it on unimportant things. You got to just figure out what that is. You know, when Jesus came from heaven to earth to live on earth as a human for the first 30 years, we don't know a lot about what he did. But one day, he's about 30 years old, and he goes and he is baptized. And when he is, he hears a voice that comes from heaven. And the voice says, this is my son with whom I am pleased. And when he says that he's pleased with his son, God is saying he's pleased with Jesus. Jesus at this point really hasn't entered into his ministry yet, so to speak. 
He's just been honoring God with his entire life and existence up to this, and that makes God pleased. But then he has three years before he dies on the cross for people's sins, right? Now, imagine this. Imagine if I said to you, you have three years on planet Earth to completely reshape the way that people think about God. We need you to change the world in three years. You got three years. What are you going to come up with? I don't know what you come up with, but it would probably be this complicated strategic plan that involves a lot of steps and a lot of influence and, 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 and it's probably going to cost a lot of money. And, and you look at it and I think, well, what did Jesus really do when he was on earth? If you look at what Jesus did, he, uh, what he, he prayed. He did a lot of that. He uh, read the Torah. Yep, he knew that really well. He uh, built some great relationships with people, not just the disciples, but with people. And then, of course, as you know, he made disciples. And disciples are followers of their teacher. And disciples was sort of how he was going to influence the world to understand God as he would present him. And, and so Jesus did some things that were just totally counterintuitive. Like you would think if you want to influence the world, you need more followers. But Jesus would do crazy stuff. Like, for example, when everything was going well, and he actually started to gain a lot of followers, and there were people standing around listening to him. One day, he says to them, when everything is going well, by the way, guys, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no part in the kingdom, right? Right? At this point, the people that were following unfollowed. They unfollowed Jesus and they said, you're a crazy person. Is this some kind of zombie apocalyptic prediction of what will happen? I'm not eating you. You don't look tasty. You're skin and bones. I'm not interested. You've been doing too much fasting anyway. And and so they didn't want to to eat him. We read this stuff sometimes and, and we think, gosh, these hold these these silly disciples, they didn't understand it. You wouldn't have got it. Like, honestly, Jesus would say things that were so hard to understand. And you'd think, Jesus, we need a a carefully crafted PR statement so that people would understand what you mean. You can't afford to have people unfollow you. we got to change the world in just three years. We've got three years before you die. You've got to be clever about how you do it. Jesus didn't care. He, he didn't care. He just did what he believed was the right thing to do. So he'd say things like this. Of course, if you're new to church, and you're like, well, what was he talking about? You know, in church, sometimes you might see this thing called communion. And it's where we take a little bit of biscuit and a little bit of juice. And it represents Christ's body and his blood. And it's really around the new covenant that was established when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And what he was referring to was that new covenant that was coming, like not to actually eat him, right? But not everyone got it. The the thing about Jesus is that he didn't need followers to feel affirmed. He didn't need people to like his posts to feel affirmed. All of his security came completely from the fact that his father said, this is my son. And that's how he was secure. So he knew who he was and he didn't need the affirmation or a mass amount of followers to even believe it. They wouldn't talk him out of it. They wouldn't 
you know, convince him otherwise simply because they unfollowed him. His security came from that. And, and because he had such a great relationship with God, it meant that when the time came for him to do what he was supposed to do, he could do it. Listen to this. I want to read a scripture to you out of Galatians chapter 1 in verse 10. It says this. This is Paul the Apostle that wrote this, by the way. He said, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? So just am I a people pleaser? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. You can just go ahead and reword it this way for you today. If I was trying to please everyone in the room, I would not be a Christian. I would not be a Christian. Because if you are following God, there is no way you can please everyone that you know. You just can't do it. In, in fact, here's something that's important to understand. You won't be free to live for God if you're a slave to other people's opinions. And this is going to be real in your life when God comes to you and asks you to do simple things. Like, for example, one day God will come to you and He will say to you, and I pray it happens to you this week. He'll say, hey, I want you to walk over there and I want you to share the gospel with that person, right? And you'll hear it. Now, the request is simple, right? Like, that's not hard to understand. Like, we understand it, right? What you'll do is you can overthink it and you'll take what's simple and make it complicated. But God, I, 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 my trainer's coming. And uh, I don't know if I have the time to be able to do that, but God, what if I say that and, 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 and they reject me? And, and how would I live with the rejection? You know, how, how will I survive that? But God, I don't know if you already knew this, but I kind of half know that person. Like we have some of the same friends. And there is a complicated network of friendships that exist here. And if I say to them that I'm a Christian and I say to them that I want them to know who Christ is, what if they tell my friends and that comes back to me, I'll be ostracized, I'll be cast out, you know, like what will happen? So you start to overthink it. Now we're just taking something that was very simple and making it complicated. Just go and pray for that person and pray that they'd be healed. But God, what if I pray for them and it doesn't happen? Then I might even cause them to not believe in your existence. So isn't it better if I don't? Uh, God, we should really talk about this. Let's think more before I just go over there and pray. And by the way, do I do it out loud? Or should I just do it under my breath? Do they have to hear it? What if somebody watches me? What if somebody sees me? What if somebody hears me? Stop taking things that are simple and making them complicated. And if you live with a fear of judgment and you're a people pleaser, boy, you're going to really struggle with this because you don't want other people to think that you're strange. And maybe the thing that we got to do is try to get our identity back into being God's children. Then maybe we could be free to do some of these things that Jesus did. See, if you want to do what Jesus did, you got to live how Jesus lived. And apparently we need a reminder for how to do that. Do you remember like years ago, they had those little wristbands that came out and said, WWJD, like, what would Jesus do? People used to wear them around all the time. Now, I probably wasn't really going to church much when this happened. I was sort of getting back into church and I saw them. So I kind of missed that phase. And should it ever happen again, you should know, I plan to miss it again. I, I, I just think it was kind of 
interesting that as Christian people who are devoted to Jesus, we need a reminder on our wrist, what would Jesus do? As if we don't know. So we look at it and think, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. And then I caught a glimpse of my wristband. Suddenly the heavens opened. I understood exactly what my mission was on planet Earth. Thank God I am wearing this wristband. I hope no one's wearing it today. Don't feel judged. Well, maybe a little, but you know, don't, don't feel don't feel too judged, you know, just, just put your hand in your pocket or take, slip it off, you know. Um, but it's funny that we need, need a reminder, like what would you do if you were faced with a situation that required the wisdom and the influence of God, you know? Like let's say this, let's, for, for example, you're walking along the street and you find 20 bucks. What would Jesus do? I have no idea. I know what I would do. I would put it in my pocket straight away. And, 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 and you think, you know, what, do, I, do I need a reminder? It's like, what would Jesus do in that situation? Would he hand it in? Does he take it to the nearest police station? Does he ask around for, for 10 minutes to find somebody that's missing? Someone will be missing 20 bucks. They're lying too. But, uh, you know, would he do that? It's like, do we, really, do we really need to be sort of reminded? By the way, like, even if we are, like, let me, let me just go ahead and tell you this, right? What Jesus did was often simple, but I can tell you, Sometimes it was hard too. Do you, want to, do you want to know the secret to how Jesus always knew what to do? Are you ready for this? No. No. No, you're not ready yet. Are you ready for this? Because I'm about to give you, I am about to teach you what Jesus did to know how to respond in every situation. This is good stuff, guys. Are you, is this, yeah, are you ready for this? All right, all right. Now I feel like you're ready. Uh, he said, right, I always do what I see my father doing. And that's how he knew. And so he had such a great relationship with God that whenever he saw his father doing something, he would just go ahead and do whatever his father did or, or whatever he saw. Now, this is a two-principled process, a two-step process. The first step is to hear God. Yes? Okay. That was simple. You guys answered right too, by the way. Uh, the second step, right, is to obey God. Yeah? All right. So we got to hear God and we got to obey God. This is very easy, very easy, right? Now, let me, let me ask you this. Very easy to understand. Is that simple? Yes? Is, is that simple? Absolutely. Is it complicated? Oh, yeah, it can be. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like hearing is simple. Obeying, that can become complicated. Is hearing simple? Yeah. Is obeying hard? Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's so easy to know what you should do and kind of difficult to begin to live it out and to begin to carry it out. I remember years ago, a pastor came and spoke to me and, and Pastor Sarah and said to us, right, I want you to quit your job, leave everything that you're doing, right, and come and live with my family and me, and we will travel all over the state, and I'm an evangelist, and we'll have you preaching in other places. Now, I wasn't even on staff at this church at the time, right, and, and he made this offer, and I tell you what, the request was simple, but boy, did it become complicated, 
we started thinking about all the sacrifice. What does this mean? Like we're leaving our family, we're leaving this, we're leaving that. We had to really try to pray through to make sure that what he said was actually from God. And that's what we had to come to in our hearts. But sometimes the request is simple. To do it can become extremely complicated. Let me read another scripture to you. This comes out of Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 to 22. Like in my Bible here, who brought their Bible with them today? Yep, yep, the really holy people, cool. Um, that's a joke. That's, don't feel, well, I've got it up here for you because I knew some of you would forget. It says this in Matthew chapter 8, verse 18, the, the little heading at the top of mine that says, the cost of following Jesus. It says, Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up to him, or a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. How many times do you reckon Jesus has heard this in the last 2,000 years? Right? He's been alive a long time now, okay? Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Whatever you say, I'm going to do it. I am there. I am hungry. I am passionate. I can see it all happening now. I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says to him, yeah, cool, 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 cool. Listen, all right. Foxes have holes. This is his response. Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have the nests. And the guy's like, yep, yep, yep. Where are we going with this? He says, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Let me paraphrase for you. I would love for you to come with me. By the way, you should know I'm homeless. What? I want you to know we're stewarding all of our resources well. It's not because we're mismanaging anything, right? But you should know that even animals have homes, right? But I have no home. So we are on track with the plan for our lives. We just haven't planned where we're going to sleep tonight. And he's like, oh, okay, okay, right? And then and, um, what happened to that guy? I have no idea. I'm going to guess that he never followed. I think the, 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 the idea of losing the comfort of having your own bed and your own pillow and knowing at least where your home was and where your next meal was coming from was going to be too attractive for him to leave and follow Jesus. Another guy is listening. He overhears it and it's like, man, that guy, he was such a sellout. But he comes to Jesus and he says, hey, hey, I would love to follow you too, but first let me go and bury my father. Now you've got to understand something. The burial process could be anywhere up to 12 months. So essentially what he's saying to Jesus is, is Jesus, um, I am interested in following you. I am going to be very serious about this ministry call, but I'm at least probably 12 months away, you know, or, or maybe six months away. Like, I, I, I promise, come on now. I am going to get serious about this ministry call at a place in the future. You just go on ahead and I'll catch up. Now, either he was saying that, or he was saying to Jesus, listen, if you've got nowhere to be, he did. If you've got nowhere to be, would you mind just hanging around for 12 months while I bury my father? And then let's all head off together. And Jesus, who's not trying to be mean, says, hey, why don't you leave the dead to bury their own? Leave the dead to bury the dead. And when he said that, he wasn't trying to be mean-spirited. He was saying, you don't get it. 
Right now, you're fixated on burying people that are dead, but I go to bring them life and I refuse to wait any longer. Now you can stick around and bury people. By the way, all the people that are burying that person that you care about, inside they're spiritually dead too. I go to make them alive. Now you can come with me or you can stay where you are, but either way, I'm moving. And what happened after that point? We have no idea. But I'm going to guess that that guy didn't follow either. I think there's plenty of people that have said, I'm going to follow you. And Jesus says, follow me, right? Is that request complicated? No. Is it, like, is it simple? Yes. Is it hard? Yes. And they made it complicated. They, they made it. I mean, Jesus is saying, stop what you're doing now. Come with me. Let's go together. That's not complicated. That's simple. They just overcomplicate it by finding all these things that they're attached to that they simply can't let go of. They had the opportunity to walk around with the guy that created the earth they were standing on and they found reasons to not be with him. Don't you think that's kind of just a little bit crazy? There are going to be times where God will come to you and He will say to you, I want you to quit your job and work for me. That request, when you hear it, if you hear it, will be a simple request. And it is so easy to take that simple request and make it exceedingly complicated in your life. It's not hard to understand. It's easy to understand. It's just sometimes hard to do. I remember when I got a job offer to come and work at this church. And it was, it was a simple job offer. It was just that we're going to pay me like $75,000 less than what I was earning to go there. Is that simple? Yep. You just got to make the decision. Am I going to do this? Come on, I had to work out a few details, right, to, in order to make that decision, right? But at the end of the day, the request was simple. And if we can just get to that place where we could hear and obey what we could do. I mean, God will come to some of you and say, you're working five days, give up one, come serve the church or some other mission organization or do something, some kind of ministry. God could come say to you. And, and this next one, some of you, oh man, some, some of you aren't ready for this, but you're going to hear it anyway. You just like maybe hold on to your seats. Hold, hold on to your seat, right? Because this could happen to you. Are you ready for this? All right. God could come to you and say, I want you to give a significant amount of income to the church and I'm asking you to do it. Now, I'm not asking you to do it. But if he does, what will you do? The request is actually very simple, but what will you do? If God comes and he asks you to do that, how will you handle it? Now, these things that I'm talking about, like jobs and, 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 and money, they're not bad. They're, they're, they're great. They just sort of become bad when they become more important to you than what God is asking you to do. Yeah. See, if you're a follower of Jesus, surviving sin is not your problem. Surviving sin is not your problem. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are saved by grace through faith in Christ. 
There is nothing you can do to earn your salvation. That is a free gift that comes from God. And so your, your forgiveness exists. So if you have a problem with sin, right, or, or, or there's sin in your life, there's mistakes that you've made, right, there's bad stuff that's there, right, your problem is not that stuff. You have been forgiven for that stuff. So that is done. Your problem is not surviving sin if you're a follower of Jesus. Your problem is surviving sacrifice. Can you survive sacrifice when God asks you to do it? And if you say, oh, maybe it's like well, you're not alone. In fact, even when the church began, like, you know, 2,000 years ago, and the churches begin to grow and develop and flourish everywhere, there was all kinds of churches. And in fact, in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, John writes to all these churches on behalf of Jesus. Here's what's amazing, is that when you read the description of some of those churches, they still line up with a lot of churches that you see today. They can become a type of church. I, I just want to read one to you today. This comes out of Revelation chapter 3, and it's a church in Laodicea. And it says this. Now, this is Jesus speaking to the church. He says, I know your works. I know. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. See, if you're cold, he can come in and change that. But so many people in this church apparently were just happy settling for the middle ground. Kind of committed, but not... Let's not get fanatical about anything. He says in verse 17, For you say, this is their own opinion of themselves, I am rich, I've prospered, I need nothing. Right, so they're financially, they're doing okay. Life is pretty good. They're pretty comfortable. And he says, yeah, physically you're doing all of those things and you're okay, but what you don't realize is that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. See, spiritually, you are failing miserably. But in life, on the surface, you're kind of doing okay. And what's really sad about it is that you don't even mind. Like it's not, there is no degree of urgency about the fact that you need to shift your life and change. You're okay where you are. It's all right. You can continue to live like this. Man, that's not the way that Jesus has called us to live. I mean, what's the halfway point anyway? Like, how is someone lukewarm? I'll tell you something. The people that were in this church, most of them were going to church every single week, and he still called it lukewarm. Gosh, how offensive would Jesus be today? When genuinely speaking, in the Western world, people attend church 50% of the time. Jesus would be incredibly offensive if he had come to the church and said that to people that were following today. And he says, you, you, there's no passion in, in, in your heart, you know. What is that middle way point? Well, what is the, where is the passion that would bring you past halfway? What is that anyway? You know, like for some people, they think that being a Christian is about avoiding all the bad stuff. I'm not doing anything wrong. And that's what I'm going to go ahead and call lukewarm because I'm not doing anything wrong, but I'm not exactly passionate and hungry about following him either. You know that there are like lists of sin in the Bible and like this next one, like this is not an actual list that you'll find in the Bible. It's just sins that people have put together, just bad stuff they put together, right? Like you've heard of the seven deadly sins? Yeah. 
If you like Magnum ice creams, you should know about this. They named a Magnum ice cream after all of these sins, right? Because those things are evil and they add weight to your waistline. Anyway, the point is, is that they had all these different sins and like you already know that they're bad. So come on now. It's like, well, what about greed? That's bad. We should be avoiding that, right? Oh my gosh, right? Yes, thank God. Um, we should be, um, this next one, this is a real big test, everybody. I hope that you, you know, switched on today, right? What about lust? Yeah, yeah not for it, but against it, yes. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't sure. And so lust, yes, no, oh, whatever you meant. I know what you meant. I know what you meant, All right? So, so, so lust, bad, right? Greed, what about envy? Yeah, okay, like envy's bad, all right? So, so there were these things and we're like, well, let's just not do them, all right? Then there's other lists, like let's take the Ten Commandments. Comes in two groups of five. One group is dealing with your relationship with God. The second group is dealing with your relationship with people. All right, so let's look at the group that deals with God. You shall have no other gods before me, God said. And we're like, yep, okay, we understand that. We're not, we are not going to worship other gods. And what about from the list of sins that are how to sin against other people? There's all kinds of things in there. Like, for example, like, do not murder. That is a good one. Does, you know that, right? It's complicated. It's actually a very, it's actually a very bad sin. Like, one of the worst, right? So, so it's, a, it's a bad sin and it's like, you, you guys know that we, we probably, let's just say it right now in case anyone's confused, there will be no murder. Let's like, no murder, let's avoid all that stuff. But here's the crazy part. You could do everything I just said and still not be a passionate follower of Jesus. Because if you are defining following by abstaining from all the bad stuff, that's not the same thing as following. No, because there's a bunch of stuff that God wants you to actually do. It can't be just what you don't do. It's what you do do. It's what you have to do. It's what God is asking you to do. See, the thing is, is that we need to understand that God has a plan and He wants us to follow it. And some people are going to get it and other people aren't going to get it. You know that the Bible says that at the end of the age, Jesus is going to sort out the sheep from the goats. Have you heard that? All right. So like there's apparently there's two categories. There's sheep and there's goats, right? And apparently, according to what he said, they were all standing together. There weren't two groups. It's not like the goat said, I'm a goat. I'm going to be over here. I'll see you sheep later. That didn't happen. They're all standing together because apparently they needed to be sorted, right? Now, we read this and we're like, how hard could that be? Sheep are fat and fluffy and like goats are like skinny and they've got horns. Like we, we understand that. But when this was written, actually, if you look at what people say, they say that the sheep and the goats, they actually looked a lot similar. So there needed to be some sorting that happened there. So here's the problem. You've got goats that are standing there going, we're all sheep, right? Yeah, we, we are all sheep. Until Jesus says, you're not. You're actually not. You're like, I thought we were all sheep. No, no, no. My sheep hear my voice. And my sheep follow me. You, you're a goat. Lesson for the day. Take, take this way. Write this in your, in, your, in your phone, in the front of your Bible. Don't be a goat. <laughs> Just feel like that was really helpful for you today. Right? So you realize that Jesus is going to do some sorting. And you know what? The passionate ones, the ones that are hungry for God, they're the people that follow him. Yeah. 
They're passionate. You, you, you can't live this life and be totally indifferent. That is a total fail. Let me just classify this. Salvation is free. You cannot earn it. To follow Jesus will cost you everything. And that's what we got to kind of wrap our heads around. Luke 9.24 says, Whoever saves his life will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. Sometimes you've got to lose the stuff that you thought was really important just to lay hold of the stuff that truly is. Following Jesus means giving up what you like for who you love. Just ask Jesus. Because I bet he loved breathing. You know, when he was on planet Earth, I bet he, he loved being alive spending time with his friends and his family. But the Scriptures say he gave up his last breath because he loved you. You gotta, you gotta give up stuff that you really like for who you love. See, see, maybe following Jesus is simple. We're just overcomplicating it because we love the wrong stuff. It's not easy to sometimes find out what you love. In fact, you could probably do an audit of your life and look at your time and look at your sacrifice and say, where does my time, my energy, my sacrifice, what consumes my thoughts, where is that going? Apparently for a huge portion of the world, it's going towards their phones, you know? Screen time, social media, clips, whatever it is, people just get sucked into it. I was, I was writing this message and I was thinking, man, you really do want to preach to everyone in the room. So I was thinking, there are some people that are sitting there going, I don't care about that. I just sometimes I just come up with people. I literally thought of my dad. My dad's like, pass the test, right? Because he doesn't even have a Facebook account. I checked this morning. It was good too, because otherwise we weren't friends and we'd have to have that chat. But, you know, I checked, he has no social media accounts. So my dad's sitting there and he's going, oh, I'm good, right? But you could find something. Come on now. Everyone can find something that their heart gravitates to that's important. For some people, it's sport. You know, like you love the football. So I guess we just see you during the cricket season. And then the footy starts. We're like, we'll see you next summer. God bless you. Hope that you do okay for the next six months or whatever it is, you know. Everyone can find something. It's, not, it's actually not hard to find anything. All you have to do is sometimes just go on social media and, and see the lives that other people are living and get it caught up in the pursuit of trying to live a better life according to what you see. How can these people have a holiday again? Are they employed by getaway? I don't get it. If I earn more money, maybe I could have holidays like them. So I'm going to work hard. Distraction, distraction, distraction. But if I work hard, I can get what they got. Just peek over your neighbor's fence. New car, better house. Doesn't matter. Your heart will find anything to love. And it loves to be distracted by it so you don't have to focus on the stuff that Jesus wants you to do most. And when you find people like this and you say, hey, what, are you free to serve Christ? They say, I've got zero margin in my life. If you have zero margin, it's because you're letting so much stuff into your world. So if you want to simplify your, your, your life, you've got to cut out what you've been letting in. And I'm going to asterisk this thing big time. Listen in for the next part, because before you start slashing your calendar, you better make sure that that calendar lines up with exactly what God has asked you to do. Because if you're looking for margin and you're like, great, small group, gone, church, gone. It's like you are cutting out all the spiritual stuff that God wants to use in your life to grow you. So you're going to get margin, but you could still be no better off. It's got to still be what God has asked you to do. You got to figure out what are the big rocks to put in the jar. 
You ever seen that? Like I did this experiment with my kids recently and I was doing it to teach them about the important things in life. And so you have a jar and you have like big rocks and small pebbles and sand. And sand is the unimportant stuff like screen time. You know, it's unimportant stuff. And the problem is if you put all of the important, unimportant stuff in first, there's no room for the important stuff. There's no room for the big things in your life that are supposed to be in there. So what do you do? Well, you put the big rocks in the jar first. What's that? Well, it's, it's probably spending more time with God. It's, it's saying yes to the ministry call that's on your life. It's, it's putting those big things in there first. And then you can start to pour in all the stuff around it. And by the way, all the stuff I spoke about is not bad and it's not wrong and it's not sin and it's not that. It's just that you've got to understand it's more important to put the big stuff in first and let the other stuff sit around it. Just know where it belongs. And by the way, some of you didn't know this, but you have a jar. Everyone does. And that jar is your life. And that jar tells a story about you to everyone else. We know what's really important to you because your jar tells a story. It tells us what you think is most important. We know, we know what's most important because of how you fill your life. I want to read one more scripture to you. This comes out of Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. He says this, this is Jesus speaking again. He said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break up, break in and steal. This is a cruel thing. It's like you can store treasure in heaven from earth if you know what to give your life to. Verse 21, this is incredibly important. He says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Man, sometimes we have trouble trying to figure out what our treasure is. This, is. this is what Jesus is saying. He didn't actually tell you how to find your heart because finding your heart can be difficult. Not only that, it's elusive. It's like people think they know what their heart is inclined to, but He knew that the heart was deceitful above all things. So you think it loves something, but it actually loves something else. And so... What we do is in our lives, we have these different spaces. And we say things like, I have a space for God and I have a space for my treasure. I have a, I have a space in my life for God. And this is the stuff that I love. This is the space for my treasure. Space for God. This is not what the scripture says. It says that this doesn't, this idea of having things that you treasure and space in your life for God, it doesn't work like that. He says, there's only one, there's only one box. It's just all the stuff that you treasure. And God could be in here. But the one thing that we know at the end of this is that your heart is in this box. It's not in that one. It's in the stuff that you treasure. For where your heart is, there your treasure will be also, right? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So, so then we look in the box and we say, well, what do people treasure? Well, that's kind of funny, like what some people treasure. Like some people treasure how people perceive them. And so like your business card with the name, 
managing director. You've made it. Well done. Congratulations. You are it. That's what you were looking for in life and you've succeeded. That's what you wanted. So, so if this is something that's important to you, right? If we did an autopsy of your life, you would work hard and sacrifice everything for this one thing. That means giving away time, giving away energy, not being present in the room, like all of that stuff, right? Because for you, if, if it was all about titles and your identity was in this stuff, that's the kind of life that you're gonna live. Oh, it's funny because there's lots of other people that have different treasures. Like, like I just want new stuff. It's, it's, it's the car that I drive. I wanna be perceived as smart or educated or wealthy or clever or something. I love that stuff. People have all kinds of lives, right? For some people, it's just like, oh, this is my wallet, by the way. It's pretty empty, you'll see. They're all seats, right? And, and, and so like they say, you know what? It's all about the wealth that I can accumulate in, in my life. And if this is the most important thing to you, it might still be a secret to you, but you will always work hard and give yourself to this above everything else because this is what's most important to you. Some people, some people are totally different. They care about what they look like, not just in terms of their status, but what they look like on the outside. So I got a little label here. It looks like a G. You'd think it stands for God. It's not. It's Good Life Gym, actually. And so I have a membership there. And, and, and so, you know, people give themselves to this stuff. How do you know? They're spending hours and hours and hours of work in the gym every day because it's important. Do an audit, find out. But when you go to those same people and say, how's things going with God? Does it even come close? Does it even come close? Some others still, they just love the Word of God. They love God. And see, whatever is in this treasure whatever you whatever you treasure this this man this is what you give your heart to you'll always find your heart with your treasure it's hard to find your heart but if you can just figure out all the other stuff that's important to you and do an audit of your time and what you would sacrifice your life for that tells you what you love most and so could it be, could it be that following Jesus is actually simple? It just seems complicated because our hearts are with the wrong treasure. Because if God is your treasure, then you'll give everything for Him. I want you to stand to your feet. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.